good to see everyone out this evening. Thank you for being here in the Lord's house. Let's go ahead and get started with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, we just praise your holy name for all that you do in our lives. Lord, for uh, the victories and for the valleys. Lord, we ask that your presence would be in our presence this evening. Lord, we ask for you to speak to our hearts and do a great and mighty work that only you can get the credit and the glory for it. Lord, we do uh, just love you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's uh, turn to page number 534, Send the Light. Send the Light, page number Praise him.
turn to your seat. We're going to sing As the Year, page number 497, As the Year. If you need the words, page number 497. faithfulness to the Lord's house. Hope you've had a good week thus far. Who's had a good week thus far? All right. Wow, that's good. Uh, they're all good, just some are better than others, right? And uh, so I do appreciate you being here in the Lord's service uh, tonight. Um, for the next several weeks, as the Lord allows or leads, um, uh, we're going to do a character study. And uh, this last... Um, this last week, um, I was in the teen class, was teaching the teens in Sunday school, and I, I went around the room and asked them who their favorite character, Bible character were, was, and, and uh, uh, so uh, I, I asked them that, and they said, uh, some of them said uh, David, some of them said uh, Peter and, and Paul, and, and of course the spiritual one, Peyton, says Jesus, and uh, so... Uh, we said, yeah, everybody's favorite's Jesus, okay, you know, and I, but uh, uh, anyway, so I was teasing with them and things, and, and I, I told them, I asked them why they were their favorite. I wanted it to be just some, not something they pulled out of the air, but why, and some of them gave good uh, reasons why, and uh, some of them it was just because I think the name's cool. I'm not going to tell you that was my daughter's or anything like that, but um, uh, not a whole lot of spirituality there, but uh, anyway, said. So, but I talked to him about that. I said, "Well, my favorite is David, uh, David." And I told him the reason why my favorite is David, and I said it's not because of when David was running from King Saul and he came across the servants of Achish and uh, he started foaming out the mouth. You remember the story, and, and they thought he was crazy. I said, "No, that's not why I can relate to David." Okay, uh, but uh, I can relate to David. That's why I like him and. Because uh, he made a lot of uh, a lot of stupid mistakes or sin, he, he done a lot of stupid things, and I see myself I, I do that often, uh, do some stupid stuff. And uh, but I I think when David was confronted about his sin, he was quick to uh, seek forgiveness, and that's why I hope my heart is, and I hope uh, that's what I like to say is that I that. Uh, uh, when I'm confronted by the Holy Spirit, I'm quick to uh, seek forgiveness, and, and uh, that's uh, what I like about David. By way of introduction, at the beginning of this study, we will get acquainted with an amazing servant of God. And I'm not talking about David. I think he was an amazing servant, but we start out with Samuel. Samuel. Samuel was a prophet and uh, was greatly used by the Lord. And uh, uh, the Lord called him and prepared him to be the prophet during one of the most tragic times in the history of Israel. Most of the, the probably the hardest times is the transition between uh, being God being their king, uh, which uh, God always desired to be their king, but uh, they wanted to be like everybody else. They want to be like all the other nations and have a king, a human king, if you will. And so they uh, they that was a transition there. Uh, during the reign of King Saul, King Saul was the first human king of Israel, and the prophet Samuel became extremely heavy-hearted and burdened for uh, the people of Israel. And the reason why was because the Israelites had rebelled against God. They become really, uh, they had this rebellious spirit and really away from the, the things of God under the leadership 
of Saul. And God had rejected Saul because of some of the things. You, you can read about it, but uh, God had already rejected him long before he even was prepared. But is, uh, God allowed them to uh, have Saul as their king. And Israel, Israel desperately needed a godly leader. And they desperately needed a godly leader, someone that could help them in their walk with the Lord and, and draw them closer. Something had to be done. So Saul was, or Samuel was, was really burdened. And uh, the man of God had a broken heart concerning uh, his people and his nation. And Saul, as we said, was the people's choice. Saul stood head and shoulders above uh, uh, above all the others. And I mean, he was a goodly man and and uh, so they, they saw him as one of the, to be best fit. He was the best the flesh had the offer. And uh, so, uh, but we're going to learn that God always gives his best to those who leave the choice up to him. And uh, the Lord revealed to Samuel that God's man had already been found. God had already prepared his man for uh, his plan. And, and the title of the message is God always has a man for his plan. God always has a man for his plan. And um, the Lord revealed to Samuel that God's man had been found and he's already been there and he's, God had already prepared him. And in the story we learn about, more about, in this story we learn more about the heart of God more than we do the heart of man. And uh, I'm going to look at some things tonight. If you'll turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter number 16. We're going to read the first few uh, verses here in 1 Samuel chapter number 16. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord." And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint unto him, uh, unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And uh, the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peacefully? And he said, Peacefully, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, and come with me to the sacrifice." And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they uh, were come that he looked on Eliab and, and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Uh, Eliab was the oldest and he was the one that was to be expected. I mean, he, he was a goodly man and, and everyone thought, everybody around thought, Well, this is the one that God is going, that Samuel is going to anoint. And that's why he says here, Surely... He says, uh, this is the man. Uh, but the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on, the count, on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon on the heart. And Jesse called Abinadab and, and made him pass by Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shemaiah the, to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his, uh, his sons to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him. For we will not sit down till he come hither. Uh, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, again, thank you. For this opportunity, Lord, I pray that you will just show us some things from your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would uh, just uh, get something to help us get through the rest of the week. Uh, Lord, I do thank you for what you're going to do. We give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Notice there in verse 1, the Lord says, uh, he said, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. He wasn't, see, Samuel wasn't mourning because uh, Saul was, uh, something bad was happening to Saul. He was mourning because something bad was happening to Israel. And it was under the leadership of, of Saul. And he, that's why he was mourning. He says, Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse, Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king among his sons. God always has uh, a man for his plan. God always has uh, his remnant. God always has that. And David, the, the son of Jesse, was God's chosen King. He was the one that God chose to be the king, not uh, Saul, but God chose David. And did you know something about David? Did you know that he's mentioned 1,127 times in the Bible? You say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, in comparison, you think of the Apostle Paul. Many of us know a lot about the Apostle Paul. He's only mentioned 163 times in the Bible. And also, just a handful of chapters are given to Abraham and Joseph where uh, 54 chapters are given in the Bible to uh, David, and that's not including the Psalms. I mean, there's a lot. God puts emphasis on uh, where emphasis should be. uh, We should uh, pay attention to some things. And God has placed an unmistakable emphasis on the life of David. And uh, what is there about this man that that God wants us to know? And I'd like to look at some of those things through this study and, uh, and I think it'll be a help to you. God announced to Samuel, he says, he says, I have provided me a king. He said, I provided me a king. Then he instructed in verse 3, he says, Thou shalt anoint unto me, uh, unto me him whom I name unto thee. The Lord did a wonderful work in David's life to enable him to, to lead a generation. He was preparing him from his, since his youth, and God was preparing him. Uh, later on, we'll read about how he came in contact with a, a bear and with a lion and with Goliath, and, and God was preparing him for all these things. And the Lord still enables those who have a heart for God. And uh, he sees what man cannot see. Now, we look around and we see people and we say, oh, yeah, that's someone God would use or that's someone God would use. And I always say this, God doesn't always necessarily call the gifted. He gifts the called. He always prepares those that he has called to, according to his purpose. Yes, he sees what man cannot see. He knows the spiritual life and the heart of his people. The Bible says, look there in verse 7, it says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh upon the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart, or on the heart. An often overlooked principle unfolds in this, in this Bible scene, and it is that God begins something long before Long before man ever has evidence of it. God's working. Saul had been rejected long before the people saw it because God knew the heart of Saul. God knew his heart. And in the same way that David was being prepared uh, to be the next king because God knew his heart. And that he was, had a heart that he could bless. And Saul had a heart that God could not bless and God could not use. God raises up people to do mighty things. God's the one that prepares those people, you see. And he knows who has that kind of heart for him. And God has already made a plan to bless in an outstanding way, in a way that is far beyond what we can ever know or understand. And God has a plan. We should desire that God sees that kind of heart in us. That's what I desire. I want God to see that kind of heart that he, that he can work and use in my life. And you should desire that as well in your life. You want to be one of those uh, people that God sees that kind of the right kind of heart, the, the kind of heart that he can mold and make and use in a great way. If that is your desire, then God will use you. God will use you. Let me say this, we, uh, that we are all doing as much for God as we want to. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? We are doing as much for God as we desire to right now. All of us are at the stage in our Christian lives where we desire to be. 
We are content to be where we are. We do not go any further with the Lord until we have the desire to do so. You see, I, I, God can work in our hearts and create a desire if that's, if that's what's in our heart, to, a desire to do so. God can use that, but uh, folks, if we want to just sit back and say, oh, somebody else can do it, then, you know, that's where we are at. And I want us to notice three things, three thoughts tonight on God always has a man for his plan. Number one, we need to understand that the Lord is in control. The Lord is in control. It appeared to Samuel that the kingdom was out of control. I mean, that Israel, I mean, the spiritual life, everything around him was crushing. I mean, uh, they, they, he just, Samuel was brokenhearted over what was going on. And Saul's life was certainly out of control. And, but God was still in control. God was still in control. We seem to have the idea that when things around us are, are falling apart and, and the whole, that, that the whole world must be falling apart as well. But God is still in control. When we see families torn apart or experience tragedy or uh, difficulties in our own lives or, or in the life of the church, we need to be reminded that God is still in control. I mean, troubles are going to come. Trials are going to come. But God is still in control. The reins of the universe are still in his hands. In Philippians chapter uh, 4, verse 5, you'll notice this verse. It says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Now, I've read some, some scholars, some think that uh, when you mention that the Lord is at hand, that this is, means that the Lord is near, that the Lord is always near. Uh, and others believe that the Lord's return is near. Well, I believe both are true. That the Lord's return is near and that the Lord is always near. And uh, he's always near to us. The Bible says in Philippians, in the next verse, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known, uh, uh, known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes uh, all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Most of the times we quote Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7, but we leave out verse 5. Uh, but we can't obey verse 6 without and leave out verse 5. Now let me explain it. In order for us not to worry, we must realize that the Lord is at hand. We must realize that He is in control, that He is at hand. When we realize this, we can be careful not for nothing. We don't have to worry about it knowing that God is in control. When we truly trust Him, we don't need to worry about anything because God is in control. As an older man, uh, Samuel was carrying a, a crushing burden. And uh, he remembered, if you'll remember uh, his life, his mother, his name was Hannah. And Samuel's uh, mother, she prayed before he was born and, uh, to God and said to give, him a, give her a man child. To, and that she would dedicate that child back to him. And so all of Samuel's life was dedicated to the life of, of, of serving the Lord. And uh, he even established a school of prophets, prophets to, train and to, serve, uh, to train and to serve the Lord. However, the people had asked for a king, and this just broke uh, Samuel's heart. It broke his heart because, uh, one, because he felt like God was their king. And that they didn't need a king. They didn't need a king because he was the perfect king. Can you imagine? He's the king. I mean, what if we had a president? What if he was our president? Well, in actuality, God holds the hands of our, holds the heart of our president and all leaders. But Samuel was crushed because of he was their spiritual leader, and he was he was under God was speaking through Samuel, and Samuel was telling the people, and he felt brokenhearted. He felt rejected because of that. Israel wanted to be like all the other nations and have a visible king. And God granted their request and Saul became their first human king. And everything that Samuel had given his life, I mean, everything he had given his life uh, to accomplish seemed to be in vain. I mean, we get there at times. I, I know I have. You, you, you serve the Lord, you read, you read your Bible, you do all these things and, and then something stupid happens. And uh, it's like, oh man, I'm, 
It's all in vain. But no, it isn't all in vain. God has a plan. Notice in loving rebuke what the Lord says. Look there in verse 1. It says, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul? He's saying, Samuel, how long are you going to be upset about this matter? How long are you going to live uh, without trusting me in this matter? We all have people and things that are difficult to give to God. Uh, we get worried and we, we fret and we, we're broken hearted over it. However, it's not that we cannot, but it's that we do not or we don't, we won't. We may not trust our loved ones to do the right thing, but we can always trust God to the, do the right thing in their lives. See, full surrender to God does not necessarily mean that God is going to uh, move in a flash and do something. Uh, but it does mean that the moment that we commit it to God, He will give us peace in knowing that, he, uh, that He's going to take care of it. God asked Samuel, he said, how long will you worry and fret? How long are you, do you think that this is your nation, that this is your people? This is, God was saying, hey, this is my nation. This is my people. I'm guilty. I've been guilty of thinking, God, what are you going to do with my church and my people? But in reality, this is God's people and this is God's church. God had to reveal that to me, that it wasn't me, this wasn't my church, but this is His church. This is His work. And as I yield my life to God and give my children and my wife, my family to God, realizing that they are a gift from Him, I find a wonderful peace in Him, realizing that God is in control and that everything comes knowing that He is in charge of. He's, he's the one in control of those things. He's saying, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? The Lord commanded Samuel, he says, travel to Bethlehem. I've got a king for you. And he said, Samuel, go to Jesse's house. I've chosen a king, and I'm, I want you to anoint him. There can never be any doubt that God, listen, there can be, never be any doubt in our hearts and in our minds that God is in control. God is in control. Number two, we, know, we need to understand that the Lord is coaching. The Lord is coaching. We may not always see God's work, see how He works, but He's always working. He's always fulfilling His plan. He was preparing David when no one else knew anything about David. If you read the 16th chapter of 1 Samuel, you will see that God dealt with Samuel, then Jesse, and then Jesse's sons, and then finally He dealt with David. God dealt with each one of them in a different way. And full of worry and fret, Samuel had to learn that God was in control. And then as uh, of the eight sons and the two daughters, uh, Jesse, he, just, he knew that surely this God was going to use one of his sons. Knew that that. But as sure as he knew that God was going to use one of his sons, he was also sure that it wouldn't be David. David was the most unlikely source, the, only, uh, the most unlikely one to uh, be there and uh, uh, be the one that anyone would pick. I got to thinking about this, and when I was, uh, I, I, just not too long ago, I seen this little boy, and he was in the store, and he was just rambunctious and just grabbing things, and just, I, I mean, I just thought, man, if I had five minutes with that boy. Anybody ever do that? Everybody else? And I got thinking, that guy, that kid is going to be a menace to society. That's, that's why, and it wasn't Luke, Miss Melinda, it wasn't him this time. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I thought, this kid is going to be a menace to society. And the Lord reminded me of something. About 30 years ago, I was that kid. I probably was the least likely, if anybody saw me, as anybody knew me at that age, been the least likely source of, of who God would use to be a pastor. I got to, instead of being condemning that kid, I started praying for that kid. Thinking, you know what, God could use that. So oftentimes we see kids and we think, there's no hope for them. 
Can I tell you, God can do a work in anybody's life. And generally, I'll just tell you, generally it's those. God doesn't always call the gifted. He gifts the called. He prepares the hearts of those who are willing. And God does that so often. I can tell you, if you knew me, my high school friends, and whenever I go off to them, you can ask my wife, when we went to our first, my first 10-year uh, 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 reunion, all the, they were like, hey, bro, hey, Rick, what are you doing? And all this stuff. And they said, what are you doing now? I said, I'm a preacher. They all, I mean, just dropped their jaws. I mean, like, tried to hide their beers and things like that. I mean, they, they changed their whole attitude. And they thought, we never thought in the world, no way in the world would you be a preacher. I didn't think so either. But God usually, can I say God calls those? God's got, a, God's got a plan. God always has a plan, a man for his plan. Finally, the Lord was working in David's life. David was a, a shepherd. He had a heart of a shepherd. Later we read that he was willing to risk his own life and give his own life for his sheep. God was preparing. He was coaching David for his, his work in the future. The Lord told the prophet, he said, go to Jesse's house. Samuel said, I can't go. Saul will kill me if I go. I mean, Saul will kill me. God said, you tell him that you're going to and take an offering with you, and you're going to go and take a, uh, make an offering, a sacrifice for me. Meet with Jesse and his family alone, and and have his sons brought before you, and I will show you, and I will provide myself a king. Jesse's sons were all brought. We know the story. We've heard this. His seven sons came before him, and God was saying, No, 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 no. So Samuel's beginning. Can you not only think, what in the world's going on here, God? I mean, there's, look at this one. I mean, he is, he, surely this one's it, and... God said, nope, that's not who I want. Nope, that's not who I want. And finally, after all the seven brothers came through, Samuel says, is there yet another son? Do you have another? And he says, yeah, but he's out in the field tending the sheep. And Samuel says, go and get him. Have someone send for him. We're not going to sit down. We're not going to rest until he comes. As soon as he sees Samuel, he's th- or as soon as Samuel sees David, he thinks, there's no way... I mean, come on, look at this guy. This kid's ruddy. He's just a, means kind of like a red-headed, freckled boy. And uh, just, just a ruddy boy, but he had a beautiful countenance. And, but surely this isn't the one, but God said this, that's, that's who I want. That's who I want. God is always coaching. He's always preparing those. We often allow our minds to be conditioned to believe that God is not going to do great things. We're guilty of doubting the great things that God can do. And I read an article some time ago about a man doing an experiment with fish. He put in a, a, a large fish in this fish tank. And then uh, in the fish tank, he put in some minnows. And the larger fish, he ate all those minnows. He ate all those minnows. So he decided, huh, what am I going to do? So he put, uh, this time he took the minnows and he put... Uh, put them in the same uh, tank but had a glass divider. So that bigger fish, he would dash after those smaller minnows and he, would kept, he kept on trying to attempt to eat those minnows. He kept lunging for them, but he would only find his face hitting the glass. And so what, what happened, then the man, he takes that separate, that divider out, and those minnows, they just swam freely through there. The large fish had decided, had already discovered in his mind that he couldn't get to those smaller fish. He had been conditioned. He had been, he had been trained to think that there was no way possible for him to get to those fish after many failures. So those, those, those minnows were allowed to live freely amongst that large fish. So many of God's children have come to believe that it cannot be done. We've hit our faces against the glass so many times we've 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 failed miserably so many times and we've been trained to think well I couldn't do it the first time I tried twice and I failed so we've been conditioned to think I can't do it well here's the fact you can't but he can 
And we can, we can do it through the Lord. See, we allow our minds to be conditioned to believe that God is not going to do great things. But I believe God can do great and mighty things which thou knowest not. We think God may work somewhere else, but He's not going to work here. But God is working. God is always coaching. He's always preparing our hearts. We should desire for God to do a great mighty work in our lives and in our church and in our family. Then the last thing, I want you to know that the Lord is conforming. Samuel said to Jesse, he said, are these all your boys? He said, I have another son, but he's out in the field keeping sheep. David was overlooked. Jesse could have had someone else tending the sheep, but Jesse didn't think God was going to call David to be the king. Jesse didn't think that. Jesse could have had someone take and brought all his family in, but he didn't because he was, David was overlooked. God often uses people that who would never thought you would have used. David would have loved, I believe David would have loved to be on that meet, in on that meeting. Many things must have gone on through the mind of Samuel after seeing all of Jesse's sons except for one. Finally, David arrived face to face, stood this young shepherd boy. Samuel must have thought, this is my king. Notice there in verse 12 it says, And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Samuel reached in his garment for the anointing oil without hesitation and anointed David. Standing before his father and his brothers. Now, think about now. I like to put myself in other people's shoes here and or their sandals or whatever and, and start thinking about what's going on in their minds. And I, I think of Eliab, the, the, the oldest one, and I'm thinking, what? My little brother, he's going to be anointed. He's going to be over me one day. Come on. Let's get real. But God has a plan. God has a plan. David was only a teenager. Years would pass before he would actually reign as king. God uses people others would overlook. 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 26 says, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God works in such a way that he gets the glory. God gets the glory. Folks, I, I see it oftentimes when... Uh, when God does something in someone's life, it's, it's not because of what they can do or how accomplished they are, but it's because of all that He has done, how He has worked in their life. If we begin to steal the glory, He'll stop blessing. The glory belongs to the Lord, not to men. Salvation is the starting point, and God desires to finish the work that He has started in all of our lives. There in uh, Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm often reminded that God sees things differently than I see them. God sees things differently. I'm thankful that God sees things differently than I do. I'm thankful that he is the one doing the conforming in my life and in your life. Think about what the Lord did in a little shepherd boy's life. The most unlikely source. I said, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this. There's many in this room that thinks, I'm too old. What can God use? How can God use me? I'm not experienced enough. How can God use me? But can I tell you, God has a plan for each and every one of your lives. God has a plan. 2 Samuel 7 8 says, Now therefore so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee uh, from the sheepcote 
from the following of the sheep to be a ruler over my people, over Israel. There's a God in, in heaven who desires to bless and use each and every one of us. Don't ever get to the point where you think, well, I, God's not going to, what can I do? God can use you. God used a little lad that had a little, just a little bit of lunch and fed a multitude of people. God uses just, just a little bit of money. God uses those things are, which we would count insignificant, and God blesses them. We can see that God can do that in our lives as well. Now, if we think we're really, hey, look what I can do, God uses those that are of a humble heart. You're humbled, not proud. God can use you in a great and mighty way. God always has a man for his plan. And maybe you or come from the most unlikely source. Let's allow God to work in our lives. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. As Brother Adam gets prepared for our invitation, I'm going to invite you to come and find a place at the altar. You say, well, I want to be used. The Bible says, he that desireth, he'll give us the desires of our hearts. If we desire to be a part of God's work, God will use us. God will use us. I want to encourage you to find a place at the altar and ask the Lord to use you to be a part in His work. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for this day. Thank You for Your love, Your mercy, and Your grace. Lord, I thank You for revealing to me, Lord, that You have a plan. And Lord, I just need to be uh, the greatest ability that we have is availability. And Lord, we just need to be uh, available to just to be used for Your glory and Your honor. And Lord, I pray that uh, folks around the room would find a place at the altar and surrender all. Not just part of their life, not just uh, uh, the part that they don't desire to have or whatever, but every bit of our life, Lord, that we would just say, here am I, Lord, use me. Lord, I pray that you would just do a great and mighty work that only you can get the glory for. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would you stand to your feet as God has spoke to your heart? I'm going to encourage you to come. Say, hear my Lord, use me. If God could use a little shepherd boy, I believe that God can use you. Won't you come? Maybe you just have something on your heart that you need to, you need to come before the Lord. This is, time, this is prayer service. You come and pray. Maybe there's a, a friend or a co-worker or a loved one, someone that, that you know is not saved, won't you pray for them? God, use me. to lift up some petitions tonight. Remember Miss Judith went and seen Miss Judith McGinnis tonight. I saw her today. Um, she's going to be in um, rehab for a special rehab, a super rehab is what they're calling it, I guess, um, uh, for the next couple weeks. And uh, you pray for Miss Judith as she's uh, very weak and uh, just, needs, um, uh, just needs strength and, uh, uh, and encouragement. And um, if she does get a uh, unit here in Greencastle, I'll get you the address. And I think that she would love uh, not to be bombarded, but if you would stop in and stay for five minutes, ten minutes, just let her know that you care. I know that would go a long way with her. She's just discouraged. 
and uh, needs your prayers. Also, the, the whole McGinnis family would ask that you would pray for them uh, with going through all this. It's, it's a heavy, uh, it, it's a, um, I don't want to say it's a burden um, because it's dealing with family, but it's, it's, it's strenuous on them. And I ask that you would pray for them. Uh, they just got to do a lot of different things that they're not in their normal schedules and things. So I, not that they've ever complained, um, but I would ask that you just remember the McGinnis family. I would ask that you also remember Kenny Johnson. Uh, number one, he needs to be saved. But um, uh, he's he's got kidney stones and gallstones. And, uh, um, I mean, it's he's... Um, in pretty bad shape right now and uh, so you pray for Kenny Johnson um, salvation first but also pray for um, his health um, then Miss Sharon Land has a nephew I believe it is um, what's his name again I Jeffrey Jeff um, he's having uh, he only has four percent in his left part of his heart that's working and so they're going in there uh, gave him a choice what to do, and um, long story short, they're going to have to do a surgery on him, and uh, um, he, he, they don't, he don't believe he's saved, um, had a really rough life, but would ask that you would pray for him. I'm going to be going up and talking to him, and uh, just pray the Lord would uh, work in his life as well. Maybe someone else has a prayer request tonight. Brother, yes, Jennifer. Pray for Jennifer. She's uh, doing some testing on her heart. Brother Tim? Did you say 15? Pray for Mackenzie Barron. This is uh, the couple that sits right over here. Uh, their granddaughter um, sits a couple rows behind Miss Christie. Uh, their their granddaughter uh, didn't mention why, but just remember uh, Mackenzie Barron. She's a 15 year old girl. Miss um, Evelyn. Pray for this camp um, affiliated with Miss Evelyn's mom and a hurricane coming through there. They had to evacuate. And so I would ask that you just pray that the uh, uh, Lord would put a protection about that camp, that they would be able to continue to minister. All right. Someone else? Yes, Miss Sharon. Miss Sharon has an unspoken. All right. Yes, Brother Adam. Okay, Brother Roger Amos broke three. He fell this week, broke three ribs. Uh, remember to pray for him. But also his heart is out of rhythm. So they, they went in last week, I know, to try to shock it back into rhythm. And that's, uh, that's painful. So would ask that you just, uh, he's kind of discouraged. Remember Brother Roger Amos and, uh, uh, and during this time. Someone else? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you again for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to pray, the privilege we have, and then the power uh, 
that we have in prayer. And Lord, we ask that you would be with Miss Judith as she's uh, going to this rehab. Lord, I ask that you would strengthen her, give the doctors wisdom to be able to take care of the situation. Lord, also for Kenny, as he's in no doubt a lot of pain, Lord, I ask that you would just touch his body, but most importantly, Lord, that you would touch his heart, and Lord, that he would uh, be saved before it's eternally too late. Lord, we ask for Jeff Land as he's uh, uh, going in for a heart procedure as well, and Lord, I ask that uh, if it be your will that I would have the opportunity to speak to him, and uh, Lord, that uh, uh, we can uh, talk to him about his salvation, and, and Lord, I pray that you would open those doors that no man can open. Lord, I ask that you would be with uh, uh, Miss Jennifer. She's having some uh, heart monitoring work done. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, give the doctors wisdom there and, and comfort her and give her peace during this time. Lord, for um, uh, Harold Davis's granddaughter, Mackenzie, Lord, I, I don't know the situation, but you do. And Lord, I ask that you would intervene according to your will. Lord, help us to, uh, to remember her and to be an encouragement to the family there. Lord, I ask for uh, Miss Evelyn's mom's friend, the camp. Lord, I pray that you would, would put up a hedge of protection about the camp. Lord, I know that you, it's your work. And, uh, Lord, we know that you're doing great things here. And, Lord, we ask that, uh, Lord, that, uh, that it be minimal uh, to none, uh, no uh, uh, effects. And, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, use that camp in a great and mighty way, which you, you have and will. And, Lord, we ask that you would just continue to protect them. Lord, I ask that you be with uh, Miss Sharon's unspoken request. Uh, Lord, I ask that you just continue to uh, be with her. Lord, for uh, Brother Roger, as he's um, in a lot of pain with the broken ribs, and Lord, for the heart rhythm, Lord, I ask that you would just uh, give the doctors wisdom how to take care of this situation, and he's in a lot of pain, so I ask that you would ease his pain, and Lord, just comfort him. Lord, I ask that you be with our church, and Lord, that you would just help us to grow in number, but most importantly in spirit. Lord, we love you and thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if I could go ahead and have a couple of men come forward. We'll take up this evening's tithes and offerings. As you, the men are coming forward, want to uh, give you just a couple announcements. Brother uh, Harlan Barnett will be in our services this coming Sunday morning. Uh, he's such a blessing to our church, and uh, I want you to be here. A fabulous preacher, and I know that you'll be encouraged. That's just Sunday morning. And then um, also August the 25th at 6 p.m., uh, Brother Phil and Miss Sue are going to be married. That will be Friday night, August the 25th, and they want to extend an invitation to everyone here and uh, come out. And then afterwards we're going to have a, a, just a, a reception for them uh, in the uh, fellowship hall. And they're asking no gifts. They don't want any gifts. They just want you to come and celebrate with them. All right, so you come and celebrate with them. And Sunday, August the 27th, uh, be our birthday and anniversary service uh, and after our PM service, and we'll just have some cake and punch and just refreshments. And then September the 9th, there's a teen activity. Uh, we're calling it the Amazing Race for Teens. And so we need some, um, some places to stop. Uh, so like at your house, if we could stop at your house, would you get with my wife, Miss Christy? And uh, if you say, hey, they can stop at my house, it would only take probably one hour of your evening uh, for all the kids to come by. And they have to maybe do a task. Maybe it's 100 jumping jacks or maybe it's answer a Bible verse or whatever the case may be. But you say, I can, I can, they can come to my house. We just have to have a, a stop, a place for them to stop. And uh, we'll have like 10 or 15 different stops for them to go. And, uh, but if you could do that, please see Miss Christie, and that will be a blessing and a help. And then let me, last announcement, September the 15th and 16th, this is Friday and Saturday, uh, Hoosier Hills Baptist Camp. It's a men's retreat, and I want to encourage all men to come out to this. It's a great time. There's going to be a fabulous preacher uh, uh, there, Brother David Gibbs. And uh, I'm telling you, it'll be a blessing if you're able to go. I think the cost is $25 or $30 if you're able to go. If you can't afford it, don't worry. Um, uh, we'll, we'll take care of it as a church. We'll take care of it. Uh, but if you can go, that would be a great blessing. Uh, September the 15th and 16th. All right. Brother Tim, sir, would you please ask a blessing? Examples you give in the word of uh, characters that we can exemplify, that we can follow their lead, but also to but also get comfort knowing that uh, we're all prone to failures. And Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to seek encouragement as we read your word and help us to find uh, find out those truths. Uh, 
things that guide us through your word into our lives. Lord, I just pray that you to continue to bless this body. I pray that you grow us as a body and help us, Lord, individually to, to draw closer to you, Father. Lord, we just thank you for all you've blessed us with. We ask you to bless us upon this portion. We give back to you in Jesus' name. Brother Kirk, sir, would you close us in a word of prayer?